Hey guys, it's Dr. Delvina, board certified psychiatrist in South Florida. Are you ready to take the couch? Hey guys, it's Dr. Delvina. Are you ready to take the couch? Hey guys, it's another Sunday night. It is time for another episode of the Brain Love Podcast. This is your host, Dr. Delvina, a board certified psychiatrist in South Florida, Dr. Delvina Thomas. And tonight we're going to tackle the subject of social media addiction. I have a guest and what I'm playing for you is a show that I um that I conducted on my YouTube channel, which is Dr. Delvina Thomas. If you have not subscribed, you don't know what you're missing out on, man. Go on and subscribe. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Go subscribe, support a black woman, support a small owned, black owned, woman owned, veteran owned business. Support me, go and subscribe. I have about 2,700 subscribers currently, and I would love to have you too as a subscriber. By subscribing, you will learn when I have new shows, when I go live, I give updates on YouTube oftentimes. So I would love to have you as a subscriber. Please go on and support me. So tonight, I brought on the couch with me someone by the name of Dr. Candace Drummond. Dr. Candace Drummond is a psychologist. You'll hear me introduce her during the the interview. We're going to talk about all sorts of facets of social media addiction. The reason why I made this an audio podcast is because I know some of you don't do the YouTube thing, and that's okay. You're subscribed to me on my podcast, and I appreciate you. If you would, share this with your family and friends so that they too can subscribe, and we can just continue to, I can continue to educate you all. And don't forget, on the podcast, you can send me an audio message to ask a question. If you heard something I said that you feel is wrong or wasn't accurate, please send in those corrections so that I can update the information. And um, just send a voice message to tell me that you like the show or that you hate the show or, you know, what you want me to do differently with the show. I would appreciate your time in doing that. So, guys, you know that 77% of the U.S. population, if you didn't know, now you know, but 77% of the U.S. population holds a social media account. 77%. 77%, man. So... I think we got to talk about this. Some people spend too much time on social media, too much time. Are you ready to take the couch? Now, of course, you know, it is still Black History Month. And so I told you that I want to begin, you know, to give little updates and facts and um, and just give sort of what's trending or what's current, what's in the news And so um, some of the recent things that came out, I'm going to start first with the most disappointing thing that was recently released, pardon me. (sighs) I hate to even say this, but Kim Potter, I'm sure everyone has heard now, the police officer, former police officer who killed Dante Wright was only sentenced to two years. If you haven't heard, you heard it now. The justice system is still not equitable. They talked on the news about a man who 
a black police officer who I guess there was some kind of wrongful death and he was sentenced to, um, they said double the amount of time that Kim Potter received. And it was a different, a, a totally different circumstance. So we're still being treated much differently. Racism is alive and, and, and just here and thriving in America, which is why I choose to go to Ghana. This is exactly why I go to Ghana. All right, so I wanna share with you um, an African-American fact, an African fact, a Black History Month fact. If you haven't been reading the 1619 Project or listening to it, I want to encourage you to listen to it or to read it. It is a very big book. It is pretty much like a textbook. And um, the information that's contained in this, in this book is, um, I'm just so impressed by the way they put it together, the information they provide to any of the listeners, anyone who's reading the book. I chose to listen because um, not that I do a lot of distance driving, but I drive, you know, I drive to the office, I'm driving to um, the hospital to do things. And so I'm in my car a lot. I'm also in my office doing things, um, doing paperwork. So I have time where I can just kind of listen. And I like to have a little bit of background um, and stuff in my background while I'm listening. And so this book was a 12 hour listen. Don't let that dissuade you. It was such a wonderful, fantastic listen. It just, just a wonderful, wonderful book to listen to. It teaches you so much, so much. And it talks about so many people in our history. It starts with 1619. It starts with 1619. And they tell you all of the stories you may have heard about or, or not heard about because there are some things in here that were new for me, new for me. Um, there were some stories I never, I never ever knew. Um, and so I want you to listen to the 1619 Project or read the book. I also ordered the book on Amazon, so I do have it. So an interesting Black history fact and I do believe this was talked about too in the 1619 Project. So many subjects are broached in that book, by the way. I mean, they talk about healthcare, um, how white doctors were discriminatory towards Blacks and how they did things to us. Like under, we underwent surgical procedures without painkillers, without pain relief, without anesthesia, because they believed as Blacks, because of how we were built, we could take it. They also talk about Sarah Bartman. Sarah Bartman, is an African woman who in the early 19th century, which was the 1800s, was an international sensation. She was an international sensation, not because she was a singer or a dancer, but because they wouldn't make fun of her large buttocks, her large ass. She was exploited. She was exploited. She's a symbol actually of exploitation and has become a source of empowerment for Black women. If you Google Sarah, S-A-R-A-H, last name Bartman, B as in Bravo, A-A-R-T-M-A-N, you will learn about Sarah Bartman. Every 
African-American woman, every Black woman, every melanated woman needs to know this story. She would be placed in front of spectators. This was in Europe, paraded around Europe. So people could gawk at her, her large ass, which now would be referred to as a fat ass. And um, her image really represents resilience for us. I, I just can't imagine what she was going through when they were parading her through Europe and showing her off as an exhibit, you know, putting her on display like she was in the circus. It was dehumanizing. They will force her to sing and dance in front of crowds of white onlookers. <clears throat> the things that they did to us is just unimaginable. If someone wasn't recording this history to tell about it later, I bet you most of these white folks would never believe these things happened. So I just wanted to pay some regards to Sarah Bartman, um, the woman whose body was characterized as being grotesque and obscene because she had protruding buttocks. She actually had a condition and her condition is called steatopegia, pardon me, steatopegia. So this is a Greek term that means fat, buttocks. It means fat buttocks. It's an excessive amount of fat on the ass, on the buttocks. And it's usually seen in women, not men. And it's sometimes given, has been given a, uh, a very derogatory name. I'm not even going to say it. It was commonly seen in women in Southern Africa. And so, you know, a lot of things are genetics. So if someone had this protruding buttocks and they had, a child, they had children, oftentimes it would be passed on to the children. So... Some women, a lot of these women are not overweight. A lot of them have thin waist and legs, but they have a buttocks that protrudes as if it's completely from a different person. You can tell when it's natural versus being um, a, an ass that was created during a plastic surgery procedure. So anyhow, and they do have procedures where they can um, reduce the size of your buttocks, if you're wondering about that. So that's just one little Black history fact I wanted to share with you before we get into tonight's discussion, which is social media addiction. Are you ready to take the couch? I hope you are. Are you ready? I'm your host, board-certified psychiatrist, Dr. Delvina Thomas. Tonight, we tackled the subject of social media addiction. Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat. To name a few, they have allowed us to connect in ways like never before, whenever, and wherever. The use of social media is a way of life in today's modern society. It has given voice to the voiceless, been a platform for social causes, and raised social awareness. In addition, it is a vehicle for information, education, and entertainment. Tonight, I want you to join me on the couch. No doubt, social media has changed and improved how we communicate, but has it become too much of a good thing? So check it out. Tonight, we're talking about social media addiction. I have a guest with me tonight. Her name is Dr. Candace Drummond. Is there a need to connect through social media causing a disconnect from our family and friends? 
It causes isolation and loneliness for some people, withdrawal from physical activities with hours spent scrolling through post after post. For many users, particularly young people ages 16 to 24, who are the highest users of social media, social media has become an addiction. And that's what we're discussing tonight. In addition, the types of posts and interactions on social media can impact health. So we're going to have this discussion. If you're not joining me live tonight, it's okay. You can come back and you can watch this later. Please share this. If you're on social media now, we're discussing social media addiction. There are some positives to it and we'll we'll go through that. But if you're on tonight, please share this YouTube link with your family members, friends, your teenagers in your family, your nieces, nephews, cousins. What are your social media habits like? Are you obsessed with the liking and sharing? How often and for how long do you find yourself looking at social media sites? How do they make you feel? Are you constantly comparing yourself and your life to others and trying to measure up? Measure up? Do you suffer from FOMA? We're going to explain FOMA once we get into this discussion. Now, we know that we have some statistics. There are some statistics that speak to us and tell us about social media addiction. There are over 3.78 billion social media users worldwide, with each person averaging around two hours of social media use each day. So 3.78 billion users on social media. When you think about it, social media should be a good way, right? A good thing, a positive thing for us to promote things, to share information. Yet sometimes it goes way beyond that. 77% of the of the U.S. population, pardon me, holds a social media account. Some psychologists estimate that as many as 5 to 10% of Americans meet the criteria for some sort of social media addiction. Now, let's talk about, and we're going to go into this, why is it addictive? When I bring on my special guests, we will discuss what makes social media addicted. addictive. Pardon me. It is defined addiction as a behavioral that is characterized as being overly concerned about social media. That is social media addiction. We're going to go into some of the negatives that can arise from social media use or overuse. These are some of the negative things that we know. Viewing snapshots of, snapshots of other people's lives can lead to feelings as if everyone else has a better life, is smarter, smarter funnier, more interesting, has more friends. So that's just some of what we find when folks are on social media and doing their thing on that. So I'll share more of these statistics as we're going through the discussion. First, I'd like to introduce my guest. You see her here, Dr. Candace Drummond, if you don't mind. Uh, Dr. Candace has a mission to improve the occupational and mental health of moms and mompreneurs everywhere, featuring services offered by AVID, and if I'm mispronouncing that, she'll correct me when she comes on, Intellectual Incorporated, and her Momscapades brand. As a longtime mental health and psychological services provider, she is uniquely aware of the self-care and financial challenges that push most moms and mompreneurs to burnout. So we really need to talk to Dr. Drummond tonight. So we're going to find out some more information. I'm sure she's going to 
give us additional information, not just on social media addiction, but I'm sure she's going to elaborate on some other things too. She founded Avid International Intellectual, pardon me, Avid Intellectual Incorporated to provide quality psychological testing services suitable to a wide variety of needs. She then created the Momscapades brand to share all she had learned about creating a good work-life balance, finding time for herself to pursue her passions, and spending more time with her family. Her website is drcandisdrummond.com. Doctor is just D-R, it's not spelled out. Dr. Candice Drummond, I will pull it up. It encompasses all of her services and passions. And she's currently scheduling for virtual psychological evaluations, guys. So help me welcome to the program, Dr. Candice Drummond. Now, I want you guys to know, because we, Dr. Drummond, we got a black screen for you. So you might have to leave and come back. Dr. Drummond is talking to us all the way from Jamaica. So she is in Jamaica tonight. So Dr. Drummond, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Can you hear me? I can hear you. But for some reason, we don't have uh, we don't have your picture up. And I want them to it see. Says, there I am. It says I was backstage. There I am. Can you see me now? Yeah, no. So leave the broadcast and come back in. And hopefully your camera will be there. There we go. We got you. Yes. Hey, Dr. Drummond. Good night. Good night, everybody. How are you? Thank you for coming on tonight's show. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. So again, I just want folks to know that you are here. You're, you're in Jamaica, correct? Yeah, I live in Jamaica about nine, nine months out of the year now. Yeah, about nine months out of the year. Okay. So do you travel between Jamaica and some other place or are you just mainly in Jamaica for the most part? Um, I am mainly in Jamaica, but I come to, to Florida because um, I run my business from Florida. That's my headquarters. Um, and so I come to Florida pretty much once a quarter, every three months or so. Okay. Now, Dr. Drummond, for some reason, your camera, your screen is frozen. So I think we you should leave and come back so that way they can really see how beautiful the Dr. Candace Drummond is because you're frozen and you're smiling really hard and your eyes are closed. <laughs> no problem. Okay, and I will do that. Yes. Come back to us. So I asked Dr. Drummond to go and come back. She is in Jamaica. I didn't ask her what part of Jamaica. She is the expert tonight along with me. And we're discussing social media addiction. So let's go over her information. You can find her on her website if you want to pull it up now while you're watching, drcandisdrummond.com. She's also on Facebook as dr.drummondpsyd. And her website for Avid Intellectual is drcandisdrummond.com forward slash avid-intellectual. It's kind of late. I guess that's why I'm like getting tongue-tied or something. So there we are. Better? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Right. Yes. I think it's looking a little better on my end. Yes. Awesome. So I was just going over some of your contact information. So I, I don't want to save it to the end in case people have to run or have to leave. Um, thank you, Anna Hart, for sharing on Twitter. We appreciate you. Um, so Anna Hart is, uh, is someone you know, Dr. Drummond? No, no, we have not met. 
Okay. She says, hello, long time lurker. All right. So maybe she's our new friend. Yes. Yes. Thank you for coming on, you know, saying something hi today. Yeah. yeah. So thank you everyone who's taken time out of their schedule tonight to jo join us live. Okay. She said, no, no. Okay. Gotcha. Miss Anna Hart, please share this with other folks so they can come on. We are about to get into this discussion right now about social media addiction so that we can um, have a very lively discussion. I want folks to be able to ask, ask questions. Um, and so if you have questions, please post them in the comment section. We're going to answer those questions. We're going to start first with Dr. Drummond. Question number one for you. Why is there such a growing concern over the use of social media? Um, I have some statistics that shows that it's beneficial. And we also see that there's some negative impacts on people. Is there a real cause for concern? I would say yes, there's definitely cause for concern, especially among those, I would say just 18 and under. Um, the adolescent and child population are at the greatest risk for increased anxiety and depressive symptoms. And those that experience those symptoms early on tend to experience them ongoing through throughout and into their adulthood so um you know catching it early getting rid of it early i think is is the best bet for all of us so take a look at this this slide guys so dr drummond just mentioned some anxiety we know that the earlier teens start using social media the greater part in that typo the negative impact on mental health about 56% of the children in the United States have their own social media accounts by the time they are 12 years old. What do you think about that, Dr. Drummond? Like, my son is 25, so I don't have to be concerned with this. I'm not having more children. Um, I'm just curious. What do you think? Should children have social media accounts by, before they're 12 years old? Do you think they can handle the use of social media at that age? No, um, you know, the the benefits that have been seen for that age group really, you know, are, are heavily outweighed by the the negative impact benefits have been seen to, you know, um, increase communication, of course, or facilitate better communication in the case of maybe social anxiety and things like that, and then maybe even allowed for greater expression. But through those two, I would say, relatively minor benefits, it also increases their access to harm. It also increases their access to harmful material, harmful people, harmful information, harmful, harmful environments. It increases cyberbullying. In my opinion, and no, no child at the age of 18 needs social media. And I can say this, we, I can say this as someone that's lived in today. You know, everyone always says, oh, well, she, you know, you're, you're not, you didn't grow up in our time. You, you know, all of that stuff. My little brother just turned 21. He turned 21 January 4th of this year. And he never had a social media account until he was 18. One. And so if it can be done with someone who grew up in this, in this life, in this, you know, world, knowing touchscreen, knowing all of these various uh, Snapchat, all of these things, 
he was not allowed any social media until he was 18. And parents act like they, you know, they're they're not sure how to regain that control. I mean, you know, if there's YouTube, you find out how to get the parental controls that you need to to be in charge of what your children are are have access to. Absolutely. Absolutely that. I, I totally agree with you about that. With that, um, I think that we should limit what we provide to our children. You know, some small children before they're age eight, they have smartphones. You know, you see they have iPhones because maybe the parent has upgraded their phone and they give the old phone to the child. And I think that's what creates the access to all this social media to these accounts. Let's take a look at some of the um, the other stats. So let's see. In a study of over 20,000 participants, those engaged in higher levels of social media use, which is considered high levels of social media use is considered more than two hours a day. They were three times more likely to feel isolated than those who spent one hour or less. So you got to be cognizant of what you're doing you have to be aware of what your children are doing, what you're doing, what you're showing to your children, how much time you show your children that you're on social media. So one other complication or challenge in being on social media and looking at what people post is that people forget that people post what they want you to see. They may not be honest. It may not be real presentations or uh, their real experiences of their life. Before you post something about yourself or someone else, consider if you would make this comment in an in-person setting. So there's those two dynamics as well. So people forget that what someone is posting is what they want them to see. It may not be a true representation. Some people are on social media living their best lives. And then the other part of that is if you post something that you wouldn't say in person, you should really, if you're thinking about posting something that you wouldn't say in person, you should really reconsider posting that. What do you think, Doc? Absolutely. Um, the anonymity of internet and the continual nature of it allows for, especially again for young people, teenagers, allows for things that happen at school to extend into their personal lives and overnight and throughout and rumination, depression symptoms. And, and it really, really impacts, you know, uh, they're three times more likely to have suicidal ideation if they spend more than two hours uh, a day on, on social media. And so, you know, we need to really be mindful. That's a good segue to the next question I had for you, actually, because the next question is, is there a connection between anxiety and depression and the constant use of social media? And you pretty much just, you mentioned that. You mentioned suicidal ideation. Absolutely. Um, you know, not only, like you said, time spent on social media, but also uh, the number of social media platforms that you're engaging on. Um, you know, they found that studies found that uh, the people who are on three or more social media platforms are actually three to 3.2 times more likely to experience depression and anxiety symptoms. 
Wow. So depression, when people hear folks mention the word depression, this is what we mean. These are the symptoms that you see here in the slide of depression. Take a look at that. And, and Doc, you're a psychologist. If you would, please go over those symptoms with the, the viewers and the listeners. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, should I wait for the slide to come up and go with that or should I just go ahead? Oh, are you not seeing the slide? No, not yet. I just want to... Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, Constantly. so the depression slide, which is the most common mental health disorder in the United States, guys. I just want you to know that. So um, what are some signs and symptoms that someone could be depressed, Doc? I'm sorry? Like I told you guys, Dr. Drummond is in Jamaica, man. So Yes, I clipped out there for a moment, I think. Yes, no problem. Dr. Drummond is in Jamaica. We were just talking about depression. And I think I, I pulled up this depression slide and you weren't seeing it. Can you see it now? No, I'm still not seeing it. But yeah, like you say, you know, depression is one of the most common uh, mental health disorders in the United States. Um, it is characterized by of course, you know, depressed or sadness of mood, but we're also going to see uh, disturbances in weight, whether that be weight gain or weight loss. We're going to see disturbances in sleep. Again, either hypersomnia, meaning sleeping too much, or insomnia, but we're going to see a definite disturbance in sleep. We're also going to see that same sort of disturbance in appetite. So again, either overeating or under eating, you know, not not eating. So we're we're seeing these um these these stress symptoms or or or, or responses from the body as far as like I said, sleep, appetite, and and weight responses um to depression. Um, on top of that, we're gonna see uh, uh, difficulty with concentration, um, difficulty with focusing and concentration. You know, our 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 it's gonna do it's gonna really impact decision making and and the ability to really like i say again focus concentrate and 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 use that executive functioning skills so it, you know when people say depression it's not just the feeling sad although that is like i say you know a part of it the depressed mood but there's you know all of those other symptoms as well the most uh noteworthy or the most concerning symptom um of depression is always hopelessness so when we see uh, hopelessness, that's always a, a major red flag for any of us doing a, a, a depression inventory or a suicide inventory, um, you know, when we're finding that someone is feeling hopeless. Yeah, yeah, great. Thank you so much for that, Dr. Deep. Now, what do you think about this? Does how a person uses social media how they use social media, does, does that have a stronger association with mental health outcomes more than the length of time that someone is using social media? So I guess what they're using versus the amount of time that they spend on social media, what do you think about that? Well, yes. I mean, you know, the, the, what I, I guess kind of what I mentioned before, you know, if we're using um, several different platforms, 
uh, within the same day, within the same week. Um, there's there's already uh, there's already research showing that that you know is going to lead to like I said, three point three to three point two times higher symptoms. Up. Oh. We lost her for a second. Again, she's in Jamaica, so bear with us. I like to talk to experts who are all around the world. If you guys follow my podcast, you know that I had an expert out in Brazil recently. And so tonight, Dr. Drummond is in Jamaica and we'll bring her back. There you are. Uh, yeah, like I say, yeah, three to 3.2 times the depression and anxiety symptoms from using several different platforms, but also um, the social media that is most impacted by likes and, and, and comments and, uh, you know, where the algorithms are most impacted by things, ones that tend to increase the, the the depressed and social isolation symptoms the most because uh, it creates that anxiety waiting for the right number of of I guess approvals. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and we're gonna get to that. What do all those likes mean? Um, just a little sidebar. Anna Hart states she gets apathetic. That's one of her personal symptoms when she's experiencing depression. We were just talking about depression and she did clarify who she is. She's a longtime lurker of me, Dr. Delvina Thomas. Thank you so much for your support, Ms. Hart. I appreciate that. So we're going to keep it moving in this discussion. And I have another question for you. What are some of the long-term effects of social media on teens and adults? I, I think we should probably talk about this whole fear of missing out in this imposter yeah. syndrome as well, right? Don't you think this is sort of, we're talking long-term effects, but um, so before we start talking about, about FOMA, what do you think some of the long-term effects of social media would be? I mean, some of the long-term effects are, at least that I've seen, have been mostly relational, um, especially as, as, teens, adults move into the early adulthood stage and are trying to mimic uh, the, the dating world with their, their social media world. And like you say, you know, they create these, these uh, inaccurate profiles of themselves and even communicate through these social medias and and have a very hard time being social and and being relational in person. Right. Yeah, so I pulled this slide up because we're talking about the long-term effects. And so people don't think about the time that you're spending on social media is time that you're taking away from your family. So some long-term effects is you may end up severing or impairing the relationships that you have with certain family members because you're always on your phone. You know, sometimes I go out to dinner and I see people, it may be a, a couple at a table, they're both in their phone. They're both looking in their phone. There's no conversation. There's no conversing at the table. Um, sometimes I see a family, you know, a family is at a table. Instead of using that time to talk about what's going on with the children in school, or what's happening, you know, at work or what family vacations being planned. Everyone at the table is inside of their phone. 
So when you're on your phone over two hours a day, we said you're at increased risk of depression and anxiety. That time is not time spent in other activities. You're not exercising. You're not getting outside. You're not learning new skills like Dr. Drummond just referenced. You're not being creative. Social media, yeah, there can be a creative component, you know, when you're creating videos to teach people things. But when you're just on social media to scroll, you're losing that creativity because you're just looking at other people's stuff. And I've heard folks tell me that they've spent several hours just scrolling through, looking through Instagram. One link leads to the next link leads to the next link. So it also robs you of the opportunity to meet with family and friends and to do things in your community. So we were just talking about some of those long-term effects of staying on social media too long. So one of the recommendations are for every hour that you spend on social media, that you should spend twice that time in an in-person social interaction. And so that could be, you know, playing basketball in the neighborhood. That could be, you know, joining the softball or bowling league. That could be going to coffee with girls. That could be literally anything. But for every hour you spend on social media, there should be two hours spent in person socially interacting. Wow. I can dig it. I like that. So it's kind of a way to, or not kind of, it is a way to establish balance. Exactly. Right. So for those of you who are just joining us, I saw our count went up just a tiny bit. If you're sharing this on your platforms, if you're sending this to people's inboxes, to their, you're texting it to folks, please share it. Thank you for joining us tonight. We're discussing social media addiction. We've gone through um, some statistics. We've talked about how social media addiction can cause or exacerbate depression and anxiety. And I have my expert on Dr. Candace Drummond. Her Facebook page, I'm sorry, her website is drcandicedrummond.com. Doctor is DR, it's not spelled out. She also has her Facebook page there, which is dr.drummond.com. And there's a website for her company. Is it Avid or Avid? Did I say Avid Intellectual? Okay. All right. I just wanted to, to be sure about that. I didn't want to get that wrong. So these are some of her handles. Uh, Dr. Drummond, smartphones and social media apps allow us to see world events, whether they're good or bad, in vivid detail and real time. They keep our minds in overdrive. You know, we're always simulated, especially during the pandemic, right? Because people were um, physically isolating themselves from others. I'm not going to say socially because we wanted folks to still kind of keep some sort of social interaction going, but we were physically separated from others. And seeing all this turmoil and all these things happening all over the world, especially in the United States with stuff that was going on, do you think this is contributing to increased anxiety for many users, especially our children? Well, absolutely. Um, I think that actually stems from just the the oversaturation of media, though. I mean, um, it comes back to needing to be selective about what it is that we allow in. Um, like you said, this is this media was generated in order to to be exciting, you know, to to be. Uh, entertaining to, to grab our attention. 
And so it's going to put the most entertaining, the most attention grabbing those things first. You know, that those are the, the thumbnails that we see. Those are the, the, the things that are going to get us to click on the next article, the next link. Those are the things that are going to keep us, you know, those are the, 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 the cliffhangers at the end of the, of the Netflix shows. Um, like, you know, it, it's, it's going to be, entertainment has always been designed in order to do that. The, the difference now is the availability and the oversaturation. Now you can, you can decide to have entertainment and, and, and activity 24 seven at your beck and call. And so if, if you or someone who cares about you isn't there to help you learn how to navigate and control that, um, really, I mean, it starts, it starts from birth, you know, I mean, my daughter, my daughter never got a, a, a screen of any kind until her third birthday. When I, I show pictures of her at one year old, she's chewing on the cell phone because she didn't know it did anything else, you know, and, and so it's, it's really, it's really, like I say, we have to make a conscious effort to do for our children what they don't know any better. And we now know better, so we do better. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Vice Mayor Mike Gellin, for joining us tonight. He makes a good point here. He says that social media is an escape for some people. Absolutely. Absolutely. And anything used as an escape in excess will become a problem, right? Alcohol is used as an escape for some people, Drugs are used as an escape for some people. Exercise is used as an escape for some people. Anything in excess mm -hmm. will become a problem. So you just mentioned drugs and you just mentioned doing things um, over excessively. So let's talk about that. How does addiction become the product of social media use? Um Let's see. So here we're talking about why is social media addictive? What makes it addictive? So guys, we know that there's certain regions in the brain that are determined or they're, or I'm sorry, they're referred to as our reward center. And this reward center, it governs certain things. And it's the feel good things, the things that really increase our feel good chemicals. The main feel good chemical is dopamine. So in this reward center, there's a dopamine pathway and that pathway, it, it pretty much is activated by certain stuff like drugs, like Dr. Drummond just mentioned. Sex activates that pathway. Gambling can activate that, that pathway. Um, smoking cigarettes highly activate that pathway. Um, and so do the other things that make us feel good. Like when we overindulge in eating, this is how sometimes people develop eating addictions or eating disorders because to make themselves feel better, they activate this pathway. And this pathway is what makes them feel better because they're creating this dopamine. They're making more dopamine. So this addictive reward structure is called variable ratio reinforcement. It's the same as slot machines. This is why some people develop this gambling addiction. They're always in um, the casino. Some of them can't get away from the slot machines because they're getting this reward. And, and casinos know this. Casinos are sort of set up in a way so that people win here and there because they got to keep you coming back at some point. So on social media, when you receive a like 
the same dopamine pathway in the brain is activated. And this is how we create the addiction in social media. This is how social media can become addictive. So I like, uh, uh, Dr. Drummond, how you mentioned that, yes, when we do things in excess, that can create an addiction. Absolutely. Now, what's what's interesting is that pleasure center, you know, it, it, it begins as a positive reinforcement cycle where you do the thing and you feel better and you keep doing it. And after a while, it becomes negatively reinforced, whereby if you don't do it, you feel so bad that you're doing it just to feel okay. Yeah. Yep. So people think about what your usage is like. So Vice Mayor asked, so more than two hours is excessive. Based on the statistics and the studies, yes, more than two hours has been associated with depression and anxiety in some folks. We're not seeing in everyone. Now, we have to separate out the people who are using social media for business means, right, to run a business, to promote your brand. That's different than folks who are just getting on social media and just kind of scrolling through, looking at stuff. And, and there's no, um, how shall I, shall I say, no intentional or planned um, executive task that they're executing when they're on social media. So someone who, like Dr. Drummond, she has a website, she's on Instagram and Facebook, so she may need to post stuff about her business. Um, the same for myself. But I'll say that I don't spend over two hours on social media on a daily basis. Um, on most days, the average I may be on social media, I would say is an hour total for the day. Because when I'm at work, most of the time, I don't have time to go on. If I post, you know, I have a post that takes, what, a couple of minutes to post. But I'm not going through social media reading a lot of things. I get my news from other sources. So I may read, you know, go on CNN and read stories. I may go on Yahoo News. I mean, you know, there's different resources. I may listen. I do a lot of listening. I listen to NPR in the morning. So for some folks, they're getting their news through social media. Um, and so here we have another question. Anna Hart mentions, she mentioned two hours when talking about children. Not sure if it would be the same for adults, but if so, we are all addicted. And guess what? There is a whole lot of social media overuse happening right now, which is why we're doing this, this discussion. This is why we're having this, this conversation. I also want to point out something else, Dr. Drummond, that uh, Ms. Hart shared we were talking about, um, I think she she posted this comment when you mentioned for every hour you spend on social media, you should give yourself two hours doing something else. So her response is this, I am chronically ill and cannot follow that particular advice, but I do try for balance and use social media to enhance my offline life. COVID stopped support groups in person that I used to run. So at least... Anna Hart, you're acknowledging that there is a need for balance. I like that you're acknowledging that. And it sounds like you're trying to maintain that balance in your life. Yeah, I mean, there's actually been um, st uh, statistics that show benefits. So again, Dr. Drummond is in Jamaica. So this is why she's kind of kind of fading in and fading out. She'll be back. 
Anna Hart, you said that it was important for us to still see each other. So we made Zoom support groups. Um, nothing wrong with Zoom. I think Zoom is um, is sort of separate from what we're saying social media. Zoom is not considered social media. Zoom is a meeting space. Zoom is a platform for meetings and not social media. So Zoom is okay. That's not a part of the whole social media um, epidemic. Zoom is okay. Yeah. Yeah. A support group. Uh, have actually been beneficial for folks with both chronic physical and mental illnesses. So those that have, you know, severe mental illnesses, medical, chronic medical, um, actually, uh, actually do well with finding, like you just said, peer and net network support groups. So just be careful that, like you said, resist clickbait. Be careful that your your uh, you know, sources and pages and etc. Yeah, yeah. So you're frozen a little bit again, but at least the frozen picture this time is is it's a better frozen picture than the last time you were frozen, and we can hear you. So I, I think the internet there in Jamaica will catch up. By the way, what part of Jamaica are you in, Dr. Drummond? I'm in Ocho Rios. Oh, okay. Is that a tour, a very touristy type spot, Ocho Rios? I've not been to yep, Ocho Rios. Yep. This is where the cruise ships come in. Um, I'm about I'm about ten minutes outside of the city center. Okay, all right, cool. So let's see the next question that I have. Some folks submitted questions for tonight's discussion. People want to know why do we struggle to set limits on our usage? Well, I mean, for that, that same addictive reason, I mean, it, it's exciting. It, it, it keeps you wondering and wanting more and, and seeing the next, you know, like you said, FOMO, you know, what's the next thing? Am I not going to know when people are talking about that thing at the proverbial water cooler tomorrow? You know? Yeah, let's pull that slide up again, the, the FOMO. So FOMO, guys let's see, fear of missing out. And I think that that's what brings people back. It begins in the part of the brain called the amygdala, which is responsible for most emotional activity, including the fear response. So fear yeah. of missing out is what I believe is a big factor in bringing people back to social media, to Instagram, to TikTok. There are some people who spend all day watching TikTok videos. Um, some teenagers and young adults suffer from imposter syndrome, which can involve a constant fear of exposure being found out. Also, isolation and rejection and linked to self-doubt and self-sabotage. So um, these things can, this is, this is what makes people keep going back to social media. So let's see. Dr. Drummond, unmute yourself. There we go. So yes, that answers that question. Is there a solution to this growing problem of addiction to social media? What do you think we should be doing to do a better job at handling the addiction? Um, I mean, I think it's just like any other addiction, you know, first we have to recognize that there is a problem. 
Um, secondly, we have to take steps to make change and put other things in place to replace that time. The same, um, so if I'm not gonna be on social media, what am I going to do? Make plans, create activities that are outside of the home. Most places have kind of uh, relaxed a bit with, with, social, um, with uh, COVID restrictions. So you may have the ability to socialize in person a bit more, you know, um, Take those opportunities, get out there and um, make plans, do things in person with folks. And like I say, if you, and, and also I think the first step is also just limit the number of platforms. So if you don't. So she's saying limit your number of platforms. She's in Jamaica and Ocha's Rio. She's on a, it'll pick up again. The Wi-Fi there is a little, a little, um, I don't know, temperamental is going in and out. So we're talking about ways that we can deal with social media addiction. I asked her, is there a solution to um, this growing problem of, of addiction to social media? So she's just giving us some, some options here. So, all right, let's see. As we wait for Dr. Drummond to come back in, um, let's talk about some other recommendations that I have. She'll be back. Don't worry. So this is what Dr. Drummond was talking about, limiting your time on social media platforms. Some platforms like Apple and Google, they have settings to help you do this automatically. Um, and, you know, I get an update every week on my phone that tells me how much screen time I spent on the phone. So I look and I'm like, ah! I was on my phone more than last week. Why? And I think about it. Like I was just recently in Ghana and um, in Ghana, I was doing a lot with my phone. I was recording videos as we did tours. I may not have been on social media, but I was recording to try to memorialize a lot of what we were learning. So my screen time went up. Screen time is not just associated, of course, with using social media. It's the use of your phone. So also consider what sites and profiles you visit. If these sites and profiles make you feel bad, unfollow them. Do not follow sites. <laughs> Don't follow sites and profiles that give that create negative energy for you. Unfollow them again and teach this to your teens. And, you know, if, if you have children, so less than the age of 13, you're a teenager when you're 13. Right. If you have teens using certain sites and they come back and they tell you that it made them feel a certain way. Encourage them to unfollow those sites. Teach them that now. Teach them to also limit the amount of activity or the amount of time that they're spending on social media. And you should also report posts that are hurtful. So if you see something, you know, there were a lot of um, antagonistic, racist-like posts during the time that Trump was running for president the first time. And even when he got into office, there were a lot of hurtful posts out there. We have to report those things so that people are not seeing that. So these are some of the recommendations. You got to limit your time and you have to consider what sites that you visit. If you're going on sites to get your news, there's nothing wrong with that. Let's see. Okay. Dr. Drummond is still trying to get in here. Um, as, as soon as I see her come up, I'll bring her back. 
because we're we'll be wrapping it up soon. So we got to achieve a healthy balance with social media use. And when Dr. Drummond comes back, I want her to talk about what can parents do to protect their children and help them manage social media. We've already pretty much discussed the healthy balance. How do we achieve that balance? Dr. Drummond mentioned doing things like for every hour you spend on social media, you do you take two hours to do something else. And we talked about that. You can't neglect certain things um, for social media. So you still have to spend time with family and friends. I want you to look at the bottom corner of this slide. You have to volunteer still. You have to still do creative things, arts and writing and stuff like that. You have to exercise still. You have to get out still. So as long as you're doing these healthy things and not spending over two hours on social media, I think you'll be okay. Now, obviously, this is not a hard number. We said over two hours is linked with things like depression and anxiety. If you're someone who does not suffer from mental illness or mental health challenges, then you may be okay. I know people who spend excessive, excessive amount of time on social media and they're not depressed. You may be okay. I meant to mention, you see my name, Dr. Ama. That's my Ghanaian name. And, you know, I was in Ghana recently. I just wanted to say that. So I'm actually Dr. Ama now, not just Dr. Delvina. So Dr. Candace Drummond, if she's not able to get back on, don't worry. I'm going to bring her back um, on my podcast. This will be on the Brain Love Podcast. I want you guys, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, Subscribe to the Brain Love Podcast. It's on all platforms. And we're going to have another discussion about social media addiction. And I'm going to get from her the answers to some of these. The, well, the last question, and that's what can parents do to protect their children and manage social media? And that is a really important question. So, Dr. Drummond, what can parents do to protect their children from social media? Don't let them have it. Yeah, don't let them have it. I mean, I like I said, the the minimal benefits are so far out outweighed by the 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 the, the risks and the detriments. And we're not just talking about mental health. We're talking about you know just access to to dangerous people, to being hurt, and we're talking physically, emotionally, sexually. Like, no, protect your kids. They don't need social media. Social media is designed to one, market or advertise a product. Your teenager is not a product. And two, it's either used to catch up or keep up with people that are far away or things like that. Your kids are at school. Their kids, their friends, they'll see them tomorrow or if they'll see them next week. They don't need to see them overnight. It's okay. All right. So that, there it is. You got it from the one and only Dr. Candace Drummond. She is in Jamaica and oh, what did you say? Ocho's, Ocho's Rios. Ocho Rios, yeah. Yes. And she's between Jamaica and Florida. If you want to schedule with Dr. Drummond, if you want to make a, a schedule an appointment, a consultation, you may do so. This is her website. If you go to drcandicedrummond.com, I'm sure all the information there to contact her, to send an email, to call her, to schedule, that information would be there. 
check her out on her other platforms as well the avid intellectual and her mom's capades helping moms to just do their thing and be mompreneurs and be the best that they can be not to sound like the army i think that's what the army says but just doing so many things to help folks check her out go to these platforms and um I think we pretty much covered a lot. Um, let's see. Okay, so, so we got a couple of questions. We have a few more minutes. What do you specifically consider social media then? Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Yes, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat. Um, what's the other one? TikTok. Um, those are all considered social media. YouTube. Um you know, I'm not going to consider YouTube as social media because YouTube is more so um, created videos and sometimes live videos. I see YouTube as being sort of like a, a news uh, platform or a movie platform, an entertainment platform. Um, not, I don't consider YouTube as social media. What do you think, Dr. Drummond? Um, by the strict standards of social media, we're in... Um individuals are allowed to post their original content and get uh, subscribers, feedback, comments, that sort of thing, uh, then yes, it is technically a social media platform. The oh. only thing is that um, the people don't typically post themselves doing nothing. That's the difference here. Um, YouTube, um, when people post themselves, it's some form of information that's typically right. being shared. And right. so that uh, in that sense, uh, it does it does, like you say, um, fall more into, I would say, infotainment yes. than, than, uh, than social media. Yeah, it serves a different purpose. You know, people are yeah. not on YouTube um, posting pictures of themselves in their bathing suit. Like YouTube doesn't even give you the opportunity. Exactly. To just post pictures if you create a channel and you have a channel you can put up a picture to promote something but it's not really a platform where you're just posting pictures of yourself and i want to add that the former miss usa who unfortunately committed suicide recently you know when you look this is this is the thing about social media and this is why we have to be very careful when you follow certain people, especially mental health professionals such as Dr. Drummond and myself, we at times can notice, we can read between the lines and we can see when someone is suffering or has ch some challenges or um, some mental health challenges, I mean. So when you go on the former Miss USA's Instagram page, there are certain things that she's, you know, she posts pictures and she talks about how several, you know, how many times she would pose for that picture, how she would stand, how she would stretch herself out to make herself look tall. These are some of the reasons why social media is not a benefit for everyone. Because if you're very overly concerned about your exterior, how you look and how you appear to other folks, you don't need to be on social media. That means you're always looking to see how many likes you get. And most of the time, when you're trying to share information or put out information, you should just be concerned with the fact that it's been posted and you should not care how many likes or comments that you get. Because believe me, you, people see what you post. They may not like it. And there is a science behind why people choose to like or not like a post. We didn't even get into that part of the, dis the, of no, the discussion. No. 
Yeah. yeah, there's a whole science behind that. People are eight times, eight times more likely to put a negative comment than a positive one. Woo! Say it again, Dr. Drummond. People are eight times more likely to put a negative comment than a positive one. Yeah. So see, people, if you're putting yourself out there to post something, just know that you are more than likely to get a negative comment than a positive comment. You may, you'll get some positive stuff, but you're going to get some negative stuff too. And so it happens to all of us. It has happened to me. Um, I'll, you know, just be transparent and say, I've had people say to me, you don't look like a psychiatrist because I posted something, you know, wearing a certain outfit or posted on a beach or whatever. And I'm like, well, what is a psychiatrist supposed to look like? I'm supposed to have a life. And so the days of psychoanalysts and mental health professionals who are completely, uh, covert and completely private, those days are really over with because it doesn't help our patients. It really does not help not being that relatable person or that relatable professional that folks can come to and talk to. Just my opinion. Just my opinion. I agree. I agree. Authenticity is key. That's my, that's my motto. So guys, we're wrapping it up. We know social media can be a great way to connect with family and friends, to learn something new or be entertained. Still, we must learn to recognize the signs of overuse and draw the line to safeguard our mental health. You got to have brain love. To have brain love, you got to have discipline. You got to set those limits. If you or someone you know might be addicted to social media, don't hesitate to seek help from a professional with expertise with this type of illness, that being addiction. So reach out to Dr. Drummond. You can reach out to my office. Dr. Drummond has done work in addictions. And Dr. Drummond, I want to thank you for joining me on the couch tonight on Therapy Thursday. I'm so appreciative of your time tonight. Thank you very much. Like I said, thank you for having me. I'm so sorry about the, the glitches, but you know, it's Caribbean technology. <laughs> hey, it's quite all right. And listen, Anna wants you to come back for another show. I guess she must. She wants us to talk about why people don't like or why they don't comment. So that's that. That might be the next discussion when we when we discuss social media. Absolutely, absolutely, definitely. And I'd, I'd be more than honored to come back anytime, Doctor Dovina. You're my favorite. <laughs> oh, likewise. And we're in the same travel group. So I might pop up in Jamaica and Ochos Rios and do an interview with you in person that we pre-recorded we'll later. So that way Wi-Fi is not a is not a factor. Yes, I will show you all around. I've been loving it here. Awesome. All right, guys. So this has been tonight's broadcast. We talked about social media addiction. I'm so glad you guys were able to join us. Please, when you get a moment, follow Dr. Drummond. Check out her handles. I'm going to, there they are again. Check her out. Go to her different um, sites, her Facebook site. Her uh, website is there. And then here's her Facebook and Instagram, Momscapades on Facebook and Instagram. And um, and also the website for Momscapade. So if your mother, if you're a mother out there and you're having some challenges or some difficulties or you're struggling to balance work, being a mom, work, play, wife, relationships, family, whatever the case may be, reach out to Dr. Drummond. 
Do you want to give a phone number, Doc, for folks to call if they want to call? Um, all of it's on there, but yeah, 305 692 But all of it's on my website and on my uh, Facebook. Um, it all leads to the same place. All righty, good stuff. So, Dr. Drummond, if you would please say brain love. Brain love. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks for being here. All right, guys, that ends tonight's show. I appreciate everyone for participating and share this. If folks couldn't watch it live tonight, feel free to share it with your loved ones uh, because people need to know more about social media addiction. We got people being bullied on social media and kids who are trying to kill themselves because of what they see on social media. And I really do think that with the former Miss USA, that that may have had a lot to do with some of her mental health challenges. Much deeper than that as well. I'm not saying it was just about social media, but social media, I believe, was a factor in driving home for her what she thought was the truth about herself. And that was, I believe she felt she wasn't good enough. And we're all good enough. We should all love ourselves. Social media sometimes robs, tries to rob you of that self-love and that self-confidence. So if that's happening, take a break. We didn't talk about that much during this episode, but feel free to separate yourself and activate your account, or you don't have to inactivate it. Just don't go on. Take a break from social media. All right, guys. See you later. Brain love. What's up, guys? So I just want to remind you about the ways you can follow me. You can follow me on Instagram. I'm Dr. Delvina at Dr. D as in Delta, E-L-V as in Victor, E-N-A. I no longer have a Dr. Delvina Twitter or a Dr. Delvina Facebook professional page. Both of those were unpublished. Um, I won't get into the details of that, but um, instead of following Dr. Delvina on Twitter, follow the office Twitter page, which is, which is DRT. Brain Love, D-R-T, Brain Love, B-R-A-I-N-L-O-V-E, D-R-T as in Dr. T, D-R-T. And on Facebook, you can follow the Brain Love Podcast. And of course, if you are not following me on Instagram, follow me at Dr. Delvina. And my website is Dr. Delvina, Dr. Shorten, D-R, and then Delvina, D as in Delta, E-L-V as in Victor, E-N-A dot Help, H-E-L-P, as in help me, help me, Dr. Delvina, and um, tell your friends, tell everybody about the Brain Love Podcast. Please subscribe, subscribe either on Pandora, on iHeartRadio, on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts. If you're on Anchor, subscribe on Anchor. Show me some love, y'all. Show me some love. That's right. It's the end of an episode. Thank you guys for joining me on my couch. It's been a pleasure. It's Dr. Delvina. Remember, every day you must have brain love. Balance. You can't have all work and no play, and you can't have all play and no work. Reframe. Reframe your negative thinking. Think positively. Avoid negative people. Inside, everything you need it's inside of you. Look inside yourself. Needs. 
Know your needs. Your needs come first, not everyone else's. Limitations. Limit your expectations of yourself. Ownership. Own your mistakes, learn from them, and move on. Vengeance is not yours. It's the Lord's. Express yourself. Every day, meaningful communication. Don't go to bed angry. And that's been my show, guys. Brain love.